and welcome to the Agiostos. My name is Bill Dykstra. Today is May 14th, and I thought today would be a great day to continue our series on Eastern Christian saint titles. Two weeks ago, we focused on confessors and what confessors are. So today, I thought we could look at um, holy people we consider equal to the apostles. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, I thought becoming a saint was like a lofty task in and of itself. Now there are people, now there are these holy people who are considered equal to the apostles. Like, what does someone do? What does someone achieve in their life to be given that title, equal to the apostles? Well, I'll tell you. Those who are considered equal to the apostles are holy people, just like the apostles who have made significant contributions to either missionary and evangelical efforts or those who have worked towards the stabilizing of Christianity within a particular place. You're not just holy, you're like apostles holy. So let's look at some examples of saints who have had this title and why they have it. I'll begin with probably the most famous example. The Eastern Church has given the title equal to the apostles to St. Patrick of Ireland. I'm willing to take a bet that you likely know the gist of St. Patrick. He was an English boy who was sold into slavery, then evangelized Ireland, he got rid of the snakes, and, you know, preached the mystery of the Trinity. Well, as I was researching, I found that there are a ton of legends surrounding St. Patrick. There are actually so much, I really don't know what exactly to say about them. However, I thought I would just take an excerpt from a letter of St. Patrick to the Christian people under the tyrant Coroticus. 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 I apologize to all those Coroticuses out there if I'm mispronouncing your name. I like that joke. So here is St. Patrick. I, Patrick a sinner and unlearned, have been appointed a bishop in Ireland, and I accept from God what I am. I dwell amongst the barbarians as a proselyte and a fugitive for the love of God. He will testify that it is so. It is not so my wish to pour forth so many harsh and severe things, but I am forced by zeal for God and the truth of Christ, who raised me up from my neighbors and sons, for who I have forsaken my country and parents, and would give up even life itself if I were worthy. I have vowed to my God to teach these people, though I should be despised by them, to whom I have written with my own hand to be given to the soldiers to be sent to Croticus. I do not say to my fellow citizens, nor to the fellow citizens of pious Romans, but to the fellow citizens of the devil, through their evil deeds and hostile practices. They live in death, companions of the apostates, Scots, and Picts, bloodthirsty men, ever ready to redden themselves with the blood of innocent Christians, numbers of whom I have begotten to God and confirmed in Christ. Probably the only thing I have ever heard from St. Patrick was his prayer, the breastplate. For those interested, I I can put a link to St. Patrick's epistle, his confession, and other stories of his life in the show notes when I figure out how to do that. Next, we shall look at St. Cyril and Methodius of Thessaloniki. 
Now, I, I picked St. Cyril Methodius because they're my favorites. However, it was also very timely because this past Saturday was their feast day. And so this being the, we can say it's the post-feast of St. Cyril Methodius. For a great many Greek Catholics from Slavic traditions, these brothers are close to being as important as St. Patrick is to the Irish. Cyril and Methodius were brothers and missionary companions. The brothers left an unchangeable mark on Slavic culture. The brothers invented what is now known as the Cyrillic alphabet as a means of promulgating the Byzantine Christian message to the people of Moravia. Now, there, there's a slight historical caveat here that I would like to merely mention. It seems as if the people of Moravia at this time were already Christians. It was at the decision of the prince to bring in Byzantine missionaries opposed to the Latin churchmen who were already there. To properly tell this story, I imagine I would likely need to do a great deal more research than time permits. However, it did create a conflict for the brothers with the local Latin bishops and their insistence of Latin in the liturgy. And though there were frictions between certain Eastern and Western polemical forces at this time, Cyril and Methodius would not allow this to be a hindrance to their evangelical efforts. They were invited to Rome by Pope Adrian II and given papal permission to conduct the divine liturgy in the language of the people. Methodius would be appointed Archbishop of Sirmium by the Pope himself. Another note about Cyril and Methodius, a few popes since then have written about them. St. John Paul II um, wrote Slavorum Apostoli, and Pope Leo XII wrote uh, Grande Musus in 1880. They are considered co-patrons of Europe along with St. Benedict. The final person we'll look at today is St. Nino, also known as the Enlightener of Georgia. She is very much of the same stuff as Patrick, Cyril, and Methodius. She was born in Cappadocia at the end of the 3rd century. She was given a mission, directly from the Mother of God, to go to Iberia, present-day Georgia, and to preach the gospel. She began by planting crosses and announcing the Christian religion to anyone who would listen. The queen, Nana of Iberia, was healed through the prayers of Nino, when the queen accepted the faith. However, Mariam, the king, was not impressed with Christianity and resented the fact that his subjects even believed in the religion. On a hunting trip one day, he decided to himself that he would have his army kill all the Christians in Iberia and just be rid of them. It was at that moment that the king went blind. Afraid, he began calling out to his pagan gods to cure his blindness, yet nothing happened. Desperate, then, he prayed that if the god of Nino, the god his wife had accepted, was the true god, and if that god could cure his blindness, he would renounce all other gods and worship Christ. I bet you can kind of guess what happens next. St. Nino is also believed to be a relative of St. George. So I hope you enjoyed today's episode and learning more about the saints who are considered equal to the apostles. Don't let that designation um, intimidate you. Don't let that title intimidate you because becoming a saint anyways means that you've embodied Christ in your life and that you had the Holy Spirit within you changing you to become more like him. So 
we're always told that that's a, that's a process of grace and that's not really us working, but God working through us. So we just need to allow that to happen. Anyways, this has been your daily dose of Agios. Have a great day, everybody. Bye-bye.